Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, let me rip Gary Cohen for a second. All day on Friday, I think it was Friday. Yeah, all day on Friday after the opening day win, I couldn't get a song out of my head. And I kept thinking, where did I hear this song? The song is amazing. And it turned out to be the walk-in music for Brooks Raley. All right, the song was so good. This is how I learn about music. I learn about music by watching my favorite baseball team play. And based on walk-in songs and walk-up songs, I'm like, that song is good. So I quickly Google Brooks Rally walk-in song, and I found it. It's called Loud and Heavy by Cody Jinx. I'll play a few seconds for it through my phone. You ready? Pretty good. Oh, it's fantastic. Be the same. A very bass, right? So I put that song on my phone, and I'm happy. I played it over and over this weekend. The song's badass. So I'm watching the game on Saturday, and Gary Cohen, I forget who he's complimenting, but he's complimenting a Met pitcher for coming out to Jimi Hendrix, which I got no problem with. I love Jimi. No issue with Jimi Hendrix. Mike Piazza used to use Jimi Hendrix's Voodoo Child as his walk-up song. That's fine. I got no problem with Gary putting the guy over for having Jimmy. He then proceeds to say, better than whatever Brooks Raley has. I don't know what that song was, but it was depressing. (laughs) I'm thinking to myself, what are you talking about? Because the song's loud and heavy, and he's talking about a rainstorm? It's dramatic, Gary. It's great. This is not a knock on Hendrix. Hendrix is fine, too. But you got an issue with my man Brooks Rally? Yeah. Listen to this. Pretty dramatic, right? Yeah. Minds are racing. Hard to sleep, man. Shaking. Oh, it's tremendous. Do you have this on repeat? Do you have this on repeat in your car? I do, yeah. So when you're driving home, rather than listen to the radio, rather than listen to, to whatever else is on, you're listening to Brooks Rally's walking song. So here's what I do, Pete. <laughs> Sometimes I get I get a song in my head, and I can't get it out of my head. Drives me nuts. And the only way to get it out of my head is to listen to it over and over and over and over again. And usually after about two or three days, it's gone. Like, I'll still like the song, but I'll get it out of my head. So I'm in that pattern right now where all I do is play this over. <laughs> but it just I bet I bet back in the day 
you probably had like a a, a mixtape of all the walk up music for the Mets, right? <laughs> I, can't, I can't confirm or deny that. <laughs> all I know is I love this song. Like, it, great song, okay? And Gary Cohen just out of nowhere bashes it as he's complimenting Jimi Hendrix. He could have picked any other player on the team to say, I don't like this guy's song. I don't like that guy's song. He picked the one freaking guy whose song I'm now obsessed with. So check it out. It's uh, Cody Jinx, J-I-N-K-S, loud and heavy. I know it's been out for a few years. I apologize. But badass country song. Now Brooks Rowley just starts to need getting starts to got to get somebody out. Right? That's what I'm trying to say. Do you uh do you think Gary was on board with Timmy Trumpet for uh for uh Edwin Diaz or was he against that whole thing? He probably hated it at first and then realized that I can't argue with it anymore. Yeah, I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll set this one out. Oh, one other thing, very important discussion. Opening series of the year. Some of us have been able to get to the ballpark for the first time this year. They did make an alteration. On the last Rico, we talked about the Bob Murphy microphone patch, which is great up in left center field to honor the Murph. They have decided to make an alteration with the championship banners. So you got the 86 World Championship banner, great. Got the 69 World Championship banner, fantastic. You got the pennant winning banners from 1973 from 2000, from 2015, no problem. They then created an individual banner called Division Championship Banner and Wild Card Banner. So on the Division Championship Banner has all the years they won the division but didn't win the pennant, right? So they're not going to put 88 twice. At least I don't think they did. Uh, 88 they would, 86 twice, I mean. So I think they put 88 you know what? I'm wrong about that. They put every division they won. I apologize. So they put 69, 73, 86, 88, 2006, 2015. Okay? Every division championship that they've won. And yes, that's all the divisions they've won. Then they have the wild card battle where they put all the wild cards that they've won. 1999, 2000, 2016, 2022, 2016 and 2022, in my humble opinion, are very, very different than 1999 and 2000. In 2000, they went to the freaking World Series. In 1999, they went to the National League Championship Series. In 2016, they played a game, a game, a singular game. And by the way, they didn't score a run. In 2022, we all know what we saw. They lost two out of three. The fact it's on one banner makes it piss me off less, if that makes any sense. If each wild card was given its own banner, I would look at 22 and I would look at 16 and I'd have a big issue with it. So tell me if I'm wrong, Pete. The fact that he stuck it on one banner, I think I'm okay with it. I'm not. Uh, I- I'm kind of upset that they didn't put a banner up of like all their 100-plus win seasons. <laughs> That's that's what I really need right now. Like they need to highlight all the accomplishments from the New York Mets. Listen, I get it. They want to try to build the history, so it's it's a good idea. It's still bad memories right now. So until you win a World Series or until you get past the wild card round, that's all going to be a, just a crappy memory. So for now, it's just not good to me. 
it's a crappy memory from 16 and 22, but the fact they stuck it together with the other wild cards, I don't know. I, it's, it's less offensive to me. I think when 2016 had its own banner and it did for a while, wild card participant or whatever the hell they called it, that's just pathetic. Like, I think that's pathetic. I think when you just lump them all together to basically honor all the times you made the playoffs, I think it's a, it's, it's a way to get through it and have it be less pathetic. At least that's how I viewed it when I looked at it. I noticed that on opening day, I didn't bring it up till now, but that's the change they made with the banner out there in right field. Uh, before we end this, I have uh, a good and a bad thing to, to look at with the Mets. Are, are you ready for this? Sure. So the, the good stuff. Um, his name is Pete Alonzo and I going into today, I, I don't know what is, what would the math would be now, but going into today, he was on pace to hit 90 home runs. This season. Now clearly, <laughs> now, clear, now clearly he's not going to do that. Like, I don't think he's going to break an all time record, but Pete Alonzo is about, is about to embark another special season. I mean, he's basically this season, the next season away from breaking the Mets all time home run total. Like to think about as long as he stays healthy, he's on his way. He's driving in a run a game. He's got five home runs through 10 games. So yeah, you play 162 games. That's a pace for 81 home runs. No, he won't do it. But yes, Pete Alonso is hitting home runs and driving in runs. And that's what he's paid to do. All right. And now the negative. Okay. Let's just look around the league at the players that the Mets Decided not to go for it because they were working on Darren Ruff. There are so many options with this one. Are you going to go with my guy, Adam Duvall? The guy I was screaming about? Uh, there, there's, th- there's three guys. Adam Duvall, J.D. Martinez, and freaking Nelson Cruz today went like three for four with six RBIs today and another home run, his second home run of the year. He's played like four games, but he's got two home runs on the season already. Two more than the Mets have in the DH spot. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Yeah. And the, and the DH spot, again, I mentioned this before, we have to look at it very carefully when we look at the production from it because on Saturday, Pete Alonzo's the designated hitter. On Sunday, Mark Canna is the designated hitter when truthfully, those guys are going to play either way. So it's really, it's Tommy Pham. Against left-handed pitching, it's Tommy Pham who's getting those at-bats even if he's not DHing. Daniel Vogelback from the left side. The Alvarez Nito thing will be interesting to keep an eye on. I made my prediction on Friday that he would not play two of these three games. He'd play one of them right so far. I think same thing for the San Diego series. I think he plays one of those games. Probably Tuesday because they're facing uh, a lefty. Ryan Weathers is pitching on Tuesday. And so even though I don't know if that would make that big of a difference because Nito's better against left-handed pitching too, but you just know between Tuesday and Wednesday, that's going to be the split between Nito and Alvarez because it's a day game after a night game. So I think Alvarez no way catches Monday with Churzer on the mound. I'd be surprised. And then he catches one of those two games. So I think we're looking at this pace where Alvarez is going to be treated like a backup catcher because he is the backup catcher. It pains me 
I think it's ridiculous. We went through a lot of it on the Friday podcast, if you want to check back on it. But that's where we're headed right now, that Alvarez is not going to play the bulk of the time behind the plate. It's ridiculous. So what's the point? Why did we call him up? Well, okay, so I did receive an email about this. It kind of circles back to something I said last week, but I want to kind of argue with my own point, or at least argue with the emailer. And that person was Ed Flood, who said it's probably because of the 40-man roster stuff with Michael Perez, which I brought up, that Michael Perez is not on the 40-man roster, and that that could be the reason. My disagreement with Ed, and I think I said it at the time, it's not that complicated, though, to add him to the 40-man. Like, if I'm not mistaken, Quintana is still on the 15-day IL. If you shift him to 60, that opens up a spot. So I don't think that should be the complication. And considering Narvaez is out for two months, you wouldn't be making like a 40-man roster justification for something that's going to last two months. So my my guess to that is, or to your point of what's why is he here then, is that he's going to play and he's going to learn. He's just not going to play a bulk of the time. And Buck tried to make the argument over the weekend that Nito gives him the best chance to win. There's a lot of aspects of catching that are very difficult to measure. I'd be the first one to admit it. But I still think he needs to learn. Even if Nito defensively is that far and away better, and I'm sure he is, especially behind the plate pitch framing. We all know the metrics that Nito kind of succeeds at with that. There's no way to get better without learning. And it doesn't mean I think these games are meaningless. These games are very important. The Mets have to earn a postseason spot. But what are be- what better way to learn than now than catching games in April and May? But I-, I hope I'm wrong. But based on the actions of the first three games and based on the words of Buck Showalter, Alvarez will catch one game a series. That- that- that's, I think, the pace we're looking at. Uh, you brought something up earlier, though, that's worth discussing. If Marte needs an IL stint, where do they go? Jeff McNeil can play the outfield. So calling up an infielder makes perfect sense. It means McNeil would basically replace Marte in the outfield, but who would replace McNeil in the infield? And it's an excuse to call Beatty up. You are right. Will they do it? I've always said the injury is the easy out. An injury is an easy out for Billy Epler to say, we've altered our plan. Same thing with Alvarez. Their plan was for Alvarez to be in the minor leagues. There's an injury. Now he's in the major leagues. You call up Beatty, you play Escobar at second, McNeil and right. Done. You're not benching Escobar. And by the way, if you do that, you can platoon Escobar and Guillaume at second base. So it's not like it's just Eduardo Escobar. That's what I would do. That's what you would do. I don't know what this team would do. I hope they don't have to do anything, though, because obviously – but Starling Marte missing time sucks. He's one of the important bats in this lineup. He's the number two hitter. It would damage this offense to miss Marte for a couple of weeks. Yeah, no question. And again, like I, 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 I just trying to make excuses to get these young kids up here. And I'm not sure what the good solution is. Cause like you said, like you want Marte here. I'm not really, it's like a surplus of talent and I really think that Epler and and Cohen and Buck, I don't know if it's a decoy because they're really just trying to save these guys to make a big trade. They're just playing possum right now because so far, a lot of things they've been saying, like they, they go the other way with, except for this Alvarez thing. The Alvarez thing, Buck basically said he's not going to be playing, and, and it's been the, that's been the case. 
Noah Gattel asked a good question at the Rico B at gmail.com. Seth Lugo has now pitched two quality games in a row. At what point do we say the Mets blew it, not giving Lugo a chance to start? What, what I find fascinating about the Lugo question, I always did, is that separate administrations all thought the same thing. Think about that. Seth Lugo was a part of this Met team dating back to 2016. He was in the rotation. They moved him to the bullpen. They gave him another shot in the rotation in 2018. Then exclusively, he becomes a bullpen arm over the last couple of years. But you are talking about the Alderson era, the Brody Van Wagenen era, the whatever you want to call year one of Steve Cohen era, the Zach Scott, uh, whatever. Who's the other one now? I, I keep forgetting the two. Jared, oh, Jared Porter. Porter. Yeah. The Porter Scott era to the Billy Epler era. We've had all these different eras of Seth Lugo or management around Seth Lugo. And no one really thought he was a starter. So it's not just the Mets didn't think Seth was a starter. It's all these different people that ran the Mets didn't think Seth was a starter. I thought when Lugo started a little bit in 17 and 18, he was okay. He had his moments. I don't think he was bad. So I don't think he was ever or ever proved he couldn't be a successful starting pitcher. I think it was, let's see if this is real or not. And before we announce, hey, Lugo's a success. I don't know if he is yet. I don't know if he is yet. As far as what's coming up next, the Mets aren't going to face Seth Lugo, but they are facing the San Diego Padres. And get ready for nightmares, because on Monday night, it's a rematch. <laughs> a bad rematch. A rematch of game one of the wildcard series. Max Scherzer against you, Darvish. The Mets never hit you, Darvish. Max Scherzer's coming off an awful start. He's coming off an average start. And a start before that is when he was throwing batting practice against the San Diego Padres. Padres come in playing good baseball. They won a series against the Atlanta Braves. And now we get to see Max Scherzer against you, Darvish, right out of the gate. Uh, game one, Nito will start. Game two, they face a lefty. Another lefty. They face so many freaking lefties. And I think they're three and three against lefties overall. They faced Trevor Rogers twice, Jesus Lazardo, Wade Miley in Milwaukee, and they just faced Braxton Garrett. So they're facing a lot of lefties is the point. And they're going to face another one. Ryan Weathers, who, yes, is the son of the immortal David Weathers. So they face Ryan Weathers in game two of this series. We'll see if David Peterson can bounce back. Peterson and Weathers. And then Tyler McGill will uh, start the finale of this series. Like I said at the top of this podcast, win a series. Go in two out of three against San Diego. Go out west above 500. Have a winning homestand. And then despite all the other concerns around us, you have to be happy. Go win the series. You lose the series, we're going to be angry. They get swept, we're going to be panicking. That, that's the truth. You win the series, I think we feel okay. You lose two out of three, I think we're very disappointed. And we're like, oh, crap. Here we go out on the West Coast trip, a game under 500. And if you get swept Milwaukee style, it will be another press the panic button kind of uh, off day going into the three games in Oakland against the A's. A 10-game road trip. Three in Oakland, three in LA, four in San Francisco. But it starts with three games, a rematch against the San Diego Padres. You can email the pod, the Rico B at gmail.com. We appreciate you listening. 
me and Craig, 2 o'clock on the fan. Pete producing for Tiki and Tierney, 10 a.m. on the fan. Thank you for listening and downloading to Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.